I want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report Podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today's episode is sponsored by Beeler Tech. With a focus on building meaningful relationships for individuals and companies, Beeler Tech facilitates powerful connections and conversations, empowers with hands-on coaching and consulting, and amplifies with targeted exposure and messaging. In the digital advertising and media world, Beeler Tech is your connection to what's possible. All right, joining us today is Alain Parker, who is the founder and chief programmatic sensei at Alain Parker Consulting. How are you, Alain? How are you? I am doing fantastic. Peachy, like I like to say. How are you? Never better. We're thrilled you're hanging out with us and can't wait to ask you all about what's going on with you these days at work, and then also what's going on with you with your podcast. But first, Corell and I know you well, but <laughs> please tell our audience a little bit about Alain. Tell us about you, where you were born and where you were raised. Sure. Thank you so much for asking. Before I get into my introduction, I think we like to express gratitude at the end of something, like at the end of the movie or at the end of the interview. So I'm going to express mm. my gratitude at the beginning because I think that's much more important. So thank you guys for hosting me on this amazing podcast. I've been a big fan for a very long time. So thank you for making the time and also bringing this type of content to our industry, which is very, very much needed and inspiring others to do so. So a little bit about myself. I'm Ellen Parker. So thank you for not pronouncing the H. The H is silent <laughs> because it's, uh, it's we my first. You, you get enough of it all week. People <laughs> saying it wrong. We'll say it right. <laughs> so French is my first language because I was born and raised in a small West African country called Senegal. So I was born and raised there, but my origins are from Cape Verde, which is a Portuguese island. So French is the official language. It's my first language. And then Portuguese Creole is the language that we speak in Cape Verde. So I, I speak it and understand it to some extent. don't know how to write it. Mm. So moved to the U.S. to go to college, met my life partner and decided to give it a try. And, <laughs> and 10 years later, we, we had a baby, <laughs> <laughs> which leads to why I started consulting full time in the first place. My experience is 100% on the buy side. Mm -hmm. and worked with many agencies providing media activation for those agencies as a buyer, planner, strategist, you name it. I've led teams of traders and analysts as well. But two and a half years ago, I found out I was pregnant. I actually got fired from the agency that I was working at. This could be another story for another day or for now. If you want <laughs> yeah. to, I'm happy to share. <laughs> But started consulting on a freelance and contract basis. And in the last year or so, really recalibrated the mission of the consulting firm to really include more training solutions for clients. And that's what we've been doing full time since then. So, you know, something happened in the agency, somebody's on maternity leave and they need support. And so most of the time we fill in the blanks. And as we do so, we provide a concrete training program so that anyone else can pick up after something like this happened again, whether it's maternity leave, whether somebody left the company for another opportunity. So that's what we've done in the last, since like the beginning of this summer. And it's been, it's been pretty great. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. I want to ask you a little bit more about your great experience, you know, uh, as a trader and buyer and working and growing teams. Because you and I, we first met a long time ago. I was a publisher, always on the supply side, but I spent a lot of time with 
our buy side partners to really understand, you know, the needs. And a lot of that was in sort of earlier days of of programmatic. So I want to ask you more about that in a little bit, but I'm fascinated with your background and and, and I love how knowing you as an operator too, I'm curious about how you ended up going down your career path. You know, Corell and I talked to so many folks about how they get started and I'm curious about like how you got started too. Oh, that's a good question. So I always knew I wanted to be in marketing because my mom, my mother worked at some point for an airline company for years where she, you know, way back when she started as a secretary, worked her way to classes, got certified and then finished her career in that, in that industry as a director of marketing. So that was like in the early 2000s. And I remember her just bringing the big old presentation cases like we saw, <laughs> like Don Draper did at some point right. in his life. <laughs> and then she would travel very often to Brussels, which is where the company was headquartered because the, the airline company is SN Brussels Airlines. It used to be called Sabina. And so I used to see her and see those charts and I used to be like, yo, this is so dope. I want to do what she did. Not thinking, not knowing what she did. So always knew I wanted to go for, for marketing in college, even though I failed marketing one-on-one several times, I still didn't <laughs> give up. And I graduated from a, a Bachelor of Arts in marketing and started on the social media side, mm-hmm. which powered to my people in social media, organic social media specifically, power to y'all. I just cannot, I cannot do it. It was not my passion. I was like, what am I going to do? I can't do it anymore. And found one of my friends helped me found a job as a marketing analyst. And from that on, got a job at an agency as a marketing analyst. And then a local agency in Virginia Beach called me to be their first programmatic media trader. They were building their department. They had no expectation. And then they saw my resume somewhere. And then they were like, well, do you want to try it? You know, we'll provide training and <laughs> it's advertising. And I was like, yeah, sure. Because right now marketing mm-hmm. analyst is not a thing, you know? Yeah. So that's how I started. I was one of their first trader. And since then, just really liked the, the industry, really am passionate about this industry for many reasons, because of technology involved, because of data involved, because of many other things. And here I am. Yeah. That's awesome. 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 Yeah, it really is. And I want to fast forward to, I guess, July of 2019. Is that when you officially launched the business? So take us through the thought process of deciding, okay, I know I've been in the industry. I've worked for a few companies, but now I want to go out on my own and do that. And what is the thought process like? And give us a little insights into how you were feeling during that time. Cause I got to imagine it's pretty scary to sort of go from working from a company to like, okay, now I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, I'm smiling as you're asking this question, because it's going to be the good quitting story here. I mean, firing story. (laughs) So, so I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2017 because I was laid off from uh, being a media director at an agency and moved to Raleigh for this position at that time. And it was a programmatic media strategist position. And I had juniors that I was training and running, I mean, uh, managing, sorry. And so worked for the, the company for two years, helped build our department. And then when the opportunity presented, I pitched myself for the supervisor, which was a manager of the media team at that time, and was told, um, Maybe not. We're going to give it to this white guy. And he was given the position, but I was basically, I had done maybe 96% of the work at that time. 
And so I felt really hurt because I've always been very, very loyal. And my husband always tells me like, you always go like a hundred percent right away. Like you need to, you need to ease into things. And I'm like, no, either you give it all or you don't give it up. Like I don't have time to waste. So early 2019 is when I decided like, okay, first of all, this, this position changed who I was. I became so bitter. I became so angry with other things and affected my marriage at that time. So I was like, yo, I have to get back into control here. I have to remember me and I have to remember how to stay authentic. That job happened to be the almost the most challenging for me because I was... I started being the only black girl in the room. And after that, uh, in the office, it was not a lot of like people of color, minorities and what we could count ourselves with like with one hand, basically. And so it was draining at some point, having to code switch constantly, constantly. Like I'm a code switch queen. Sometimes I still do it. And I'm like, no, that's not me. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> like I listen to trap music sometimes and that's okay to say it. Okay. I drop yeah. that bombs and that's cool. It doesn't mean that I'm something else or I'm, you don't have to profile me for it. So long story short, I realized that I couldn't be loyal to anybody else but myself. And so that year I went on to diving into self-development, like how to start a business. And so found another position and I had already saw that position as like more of an investor into my dreams. And that's why I got fired because <laughs> I wasn't very, very committed hundred percent amongst other things from the company. But that's why, like I've always freelance on the side at some point I always had a side hustle and back in the days that was not sexy to say out loud like oh my god she's working where agency are scared of their employees having side hustles some of them are still are but I always had a side hustle and then I told my husband like this is a lucrative business and I can't build something bigger and also I can be more flexible I can be home and then we wanted to start a family so I literally got pregnant after getting fired then I was like well God's telling me we got to do, we got to do it. So, <laughs> so I jumped again, a thousand percent, both feet into it. It was only scary because, because now as an entrepreneur, you are 1000% in control of the income you make of your day of your revenue. So that was only the yeah. scary part because now I didn't have that comfort of having a schedule but that was also where my peace was all from, you know, the fact right. that I was able to be in control and still be here and still be able to take a nap in the middle of the day and still be so much more productive <laughs> after the nap because I was pregnant. That was like everything for me. And I have no regrets. And there's no way, no way I'm, I'm going to go back to working for anyone unless it's like a partnership that I truly, 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 truly believe in. And I will still have a lot of flexibility with that. So if you're listening and you're thinking you have a side hustle and you want to take a chance, there's a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of mentors that post very great content. That is one of the reasons why I am a big content creator and I love providing content out there. But it's only scary when you know you're not willing to do the work and you're not willing to discipline yourself to do so. But yeah, there's, there's moments where a client calls and say, hey, this is the end of the contract. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Then we have to, you know, start again. But that's also the exciting things like, oh, well, a new opportunity will present, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. And if I got my timelines right, mm -hmm. eight months after you started the business, then COVID and the pandemic hits, mm -hmm. right? So take us through the experience of now going from totally in-person to totally virtual and mm -hmm. growing a business during a pandemic. 
I always knew that the business I was building and I'm building is going to provide flexibility with everyone I work with. So shortly after I was hitting my ninth month mark with my pregnancy. And so because of the work and the business that I have acquired in eight months, I was able to take like four months and a half of maternity leave very comfortably. And people started reaching out to me two months in my maternity. And I was like, oh, maybe. And I was like, no, I'm not sleeping. I don't even know who I am. now. <laughs> like, no, I need to sleep. I need to figure it out. And so I got this opportunity in July and then I got another opportunity in August uh, of 2020. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm just going to go get back into work. And then sure enough, in September of 2020, my husband saw how the business was growing and how much I needed help because I was a solopreneur at that time. And so he jumped into it. He, he quit his nine to five and he started helping me from a um, financial perspective, from an operation perspective. I like to joke that he's the CFO of my business and our household <laughs> because nice. he is. Nice. He's the one I had to like delegate this park so that I can continue growing and focusing on business development and focusing on really what I wanted to do and how I wanted to stand out as a business. So there was a lot of like studying I did. I'm not going to lie. I had to study other people that have done it and are successful and people that I want to be in two years or five years or 10 years. And so I studied those entrepreneurs. I studied those people in our industry. I befriended some of them. Some of them have referred me to other mentors, referred me to other mentors. So I'm still going through that learning curve, but I'm realizing that I'm probably never going to stop learning, having my own business or managing other folks. Like there's always something to learn. Always. Tremendous. The founder story. It's amazing. It's amazing to not just go through that on your own, right? So yeah. Shouts to your hubby for jumping. Oh yeah, in he's there. the goat. He's the, the goat. Uh, <laughs> like I used to call him my um, my sugar daddy, and now he's like, no, yeah, now you're the sugar mama. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, so wait a minute. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a real estate investor, so he's just dived into it as well, 100. percent He was doing that part time before that, and then he's always had a good passion or flame for stock trading. So he's he's learned a little bit, and so. He's still busy on his own, but he definitely helped help the business stay afloat at some point on the operation side when that happened. Still, still does. We're going to take a short break and hear from our special sponsor. We're hanging out with Rob Bueller, founder of Bueller.tech. Rob, how are you? Welcome. I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Listen, Bueller.tech is growing. Rob, tell us what is the core concept behind Bueller.tech? Yeah, it's clear to us that community is greater than complexity. And we believe that if we work together, we can make digital media and digital advertising a better business to be in. We think about that at the individual level, the department level, and even at the publisher level and anyone that wants to support that concept. I love it. That's so cool. And I love the word that you said, community. Can you talk about the ways that you help the community? Yeah, I mean... We try to connect people with other people and create conversations. And sometimes those conversations are events, roundtables, Slack conversations, right? The key is to move things forward. And one thing I wanted to share with your audience is we like to create speaking opportunities. And mm -hmm. we think that speaking in front of an audience is a key skill set people need to advance their careers, which is why we love the Minority Report, because you highlight new voices. And we really support that concept. Thanks a lot, Rob. And thanks for always being such a great supporter of the podcast over the years. 
Your support means a lot. So everyone, please be sure to check out www.beeler.tech. And now back to the podcast. Helen, I want to ask you, you're busy with your client partners and you are also busy with your own podcast. Tell us about what that's like as the founder and host of Programmatic Digest podcast. What's that like? Talk to us about it. <laughs> so the podcast I created because I realized that at that time, I guess, there was not a lot of independent podcasts or like sources where you could like easily share knowledge. So basically the mission of the podcast is to share knowledge and highlight diversity, period. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to learn from others. And I started it selfishly because again, I wanted to be able to talk to people without any limitation, without any boundaries, without any judgment. And that's it. That's why I started the podcast was not consistent at the beginning. The first two years were really like some seasons here and there. But this year, I really took it to the next level. And that's when I realized like, wow, there's like so much more to do in the podcasting world. Like this is only going to go upwards. And you all have seen it as well with your awards. Congratulations. And um, your episodes, but you are at 120 something at this point, 130. That's great. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we're big fans of everything that you do too. And, <laughs> and you've had some tremendous guests and I can only imagine it's just like, it's a great way to, to network and also expand your network and social circles that sometimes can turn into business too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have some guests reach out to me for consulting opportunities. And then actually I just onboarded a client this month that needed, needed some consulting help for like the next two to three months. So I was like, oh, that's dope. You've never heard me from the, you know, from being a podcast, I mean, a guest podcast. So it's really cool because it just reaffirms that you're doing something right, but it's also like giving others opportunity to understand that there's always, there's always an option. So anyone should be a content creator, whether it's podcasting, blogging, vlogging, whatever you want to call it. You, you should always create some type of content, especially working for our industry. So, Especially mm-hmm. now in the virtual world too, where we don't have the face-to-face in-person interaction as much as we did a couple of years ago. I think mm-hmm. producing content becomes even that much more important mm-hmm. to your business. So totally agree with you on that. Question for you about the programmatic space, right? Since we're on it, what mm-hmm. excites you about the future of where we're going from a programmatic perspective? So there's a couple of things. I mean, obviously in this space, I feel like CTV and OTT, I'm looking forward to seeing, hearing more of the technology, the partnership, the collaboration that's going to come out in the next few months. I think they're just starting. They're just warming up to come up with a a few things, especially on the Roku side and on the, um, oh, I just lost his name, but I saw him at um, the programmatic IO and free will, free will. I feel like free will is going to come out with a, a few more partnership and merging with other technologies. So I'm looking forward to hearing their success. Another thing that I'm really passionate about obviously is training. And I think the pandemic and the great resignation has made us realize that employee wants a little bit more. And I was just talking to my friends at Work Reduce and they are currently running like a survey with marketers and ad tech folks asking, you know, what are some of the things 
that would keep you at a company. And the number six thing that they're finding out is training. And almost 56% of those survey respondents are saying that they would like to receive more training from their companies. So I feel like we're starting as an industry to provide training that is beyond just your nine to five, like promoting self-development, promoting self-education, promoting like go attend this webinar, go be a podcast guest, go do this, you know, go to this conference. So I feel like this conversation is going to happen. We have to normalize Mm. training our people more than once, (laughs) a quarter or a month. (laughs) And we have to do it without boundaries. Like you must only learn DB360 because you're a programmatic trader. No, you gotta, you gotta learn other things. That's right. That's right. Good point. And I think you were referring maybe to Ari Paparo over at Free Will. Uh, yeah, no, no, I think it was Dave Clark. Now that I said, oh, that. Dave, like, nice. he, um, so Ari, yes, beeswax just got acquired. is the proper term, I think <laughs> from yes. free will, but I believe the session that I was talking about was Dave Clark from free will talking about CTVs and giving his two cents on the Nielsen's drama that's happening in, in Nielsen's. And so not to go too much into details, I think they have like a, a lot of cool things happening, especially with the main challenges with CTV right now is fragmentation, audience measurement. So he had some great things to talk about. So I'm, I'm like, I want to know more now. I want to know what you're going to do for us as an industry. How easy are you going to make things for us? So that's going to be yeah. really dope to, to follow. I want to ask you a little bit about your thoughts as you've worked with different companies and at different companies. Tell me your thoughts on DEI in our space and, and what you've experience and also what you're seeing out there. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So I'll talk about my experience and then my recommendations, not opinions. So my experience, again, in the last two years and a half has been different from being a trader or buyer or working for an agency. But most of the time, I mean, in my introduction, you heard me say I was coach fishing because of a lack of diversity, period, simple. I've had managers walk up to me saying that, oh, um, We'd like for you to attend this meeting, but you are too passionate for the client. So try to refrain from asking questions. Just stay quiet in the meeting. Mm. Like, oh, (laughs) so should I attend or should I not attend? And that is the most polite thing I've heard. I've heard other crazy thing working for certain agencies, but it just continued putting that fire in me that this is not normal. I'm not going to accept this anymore. This shouldn't happen. So there's still a serious problem when it comes to diversity and to DEI as as total actually, because now it's more added to that. And it's, I don't know, I'm hoping that it's going to continue. And I don't want to sound pessimistic because I'm really optimistic on the regular, but I'm still not seeing that diversity happen in my conversation with agencies that I'm training. Or when I attended the programmatic IO, I went to Sharon Harris, which was on the podcast recently, I think on the Minority Report podcast. And she said, somebody asked like, so what do you think about the great resignation or some, some type of question like that? And she said, I think it's not the great resignation. I think it's the great realization that employees are now <laughs> realizing that there's a serious problem out here. Mm. Diversity and inclusion included all of those benefits. I'm making you all this money and I'm over here working all these hours and barely making ends meet. So I really like the podcast that she had too. The episode was pretty bomb. That was Thank great. You. So I encourage everybody, but that conversation with her, her presentation made me realize like, yo, am I doing enough even 
Like it made me think so hard. I started thinking about going back to drawing boards. Like maybe I need to re-add the diversity segment that I had on the podcast before. Uh, I don't know. It just fell off because like in conversations, I was like, okay, I need to re-add that. And then now in my training, I've implemented a few sections on diversity and inclusion. I don't know who I'm training, but at some point I'm going to talk about diversity and why it's important and why you should consider what it represents as a team and the benefit from it. So I think we need to continue talking about it, but also we need to continue taking action on it. Great, great thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, definitely. It's a long way for and it, but I don't. We don't give up. Yeah, it's I don't give up. No, definitely not. And like I tell people all the time, I think it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. Yeah, so, boom. that's a good way know, to put it. To your point, we got a long way to go, but we got to keep keep chugging along. Yeah, keep moving in the right direction. You talked a little bit earlier about your husband helping you out with the business, having a baby as well. What is work-life balance like for you? Or is there even such a thing as work-life balance? Uh, I like that question. Yes, there absolutely is. My daughter is a year and a half years old, uh, one and a half years old, sorry. And she's absolutely the number one reason why I am glad and grateful for the business that I'm running because of the flexibility of things. Every new client that I work with, I make it clear that she's here. She's apprentice of the company. She may or may not join our call. She's very opinionated if she joins the call. You just have to, <laughs> to bear with me. It's going to be okay. The work will still be done. And that's the expectation I set with every client. Like I don't cancel meeting five minutes before. I don't do that. Work will get done. But that's what work life balance is making sure that we prioritize I'm prioritizing her and my husband and the dog and now the six fishies but they're the priority at the moment with the work and the work allows me to be there for them and to be mindful for them which is very different from the work-life balance we tend to define especially on the agency side and sorry guys if you're on the agency side I'm really not you can't curse in the podcast right I've never heard y'all curse absolutely absolutely you can oh Oh, I was. I'm not shitting on y'all. I'm not shitting on y'all. I'm sorry. You think I'm? I'm really not. I work my whole life for agency. I love agency. I'm still working for agency. But like some expectation about work-life balance, where like I'm gonna let you go to your your kid's soccer game, but then I'm expecting you to make it up 20 hours plus this weekend, and then stay longer. So work-life balance, it's not something I like to throw out there very, very easily because I think it's not defined the right way. It's supposed to be like a give or take, but also prioritizing your health. And my health, my mental peace is her smile is like spending five minutes and hugging her or hugging the dog or the husband too. He's cute too. So that's work-life balance, making sure that my mental health and my peace is protected at all time. Because when it is, yo, I am the best me ever. I'm most productive. I am the most creative at work. I get things done. I over-deliver most of the time. So now that I understand how I work, I protect that. And that's the definition of that balance that we talk about. Like I make sure that I, me is always going to be as healthy as possible so that I can deliver for my clients. And I make sure to offer that same flexibility to them as well. Because dang, y'all, we just went through a pandemic. Y'all remember it was just happening. We still is a little bit in the pandemic. There's a lot going on. So if you think things are going to be very different or back to no more in quotation mark, 
no, that this is the new normal. Be okay with it. Right. Things are probably going to remain virtual for a little bit longer, if not forever. So we have to be flexible. We have to continue offering those benefits and not just throwing it on, a, on the job description and thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be cool. And then requiring them three months later to come in the office. Like you have to provide that flexibility and whatever preserve that mental, physical, spiritual peace to your employees and your people, that's what you should support. That's the benefit you should offer. Love it. Thank you for that answer. Going back to programmatic mm-hmm. for a minute here. What advice would you give to anyone that's looking to get into programmatic, learn more, move up in the world, so mm-hmm. to speak? So my advice would be, you got to bet on yourself. You got to trust yourself. You got to have faith in yourself. And I'm not trying to take anyone to church, but I am low key. Like you got to, God put you in a position and in a place for a reason, because he knew this is where you're supposed to be. And if it's not your place to be, then there will be sign for you to understand. So bet on yourself, learn on yourself, make sure you are putting your yourself in rooms that are going to make you successful. So I mentioned earlier, like I looked up a bunch of people that I was like, yo, I want to be like them from different perspective. Okay. I'm not talking physical here. Like I want to be like them because they've reached a certain level in their life. I'm aiming for. And the same thing in the programmatic space, like read, read an article. Like, you know, how not like most people don't read articles maybe once every so many days or even month. And that's unacceptable. If you're trying to be the best you, you have to continue developing your own knowledge. That is doing some brain exercising, which is reading is one of them. It's, it's pretty common. So my advice would be bet on yourself, make sure you continue learning. If it's not providing to you, reading is the best way to learn. It's very easy. It's cheap. It's free, y'all. It's still free. Most of the internet is free. So <laughs> you can access, you can access some great article. Focus on one thing. If you're in a programmatic media space and you want to learn more about B2B industry in the B2B industry or how to run campaigns in B2B or on the publisher side, if you're trying to get from one side to the other, then go learn, go find, go find Eric, go find Eric and his people and follow them or like really be obsessed with the content that he's providing for you to learn because that's what you want to do. So go learn and don't be afraid to ask the right question and to stand up for yourself. I think I gave you like six things. So let me recap really quick. So <laughs> They're good. They're all bet good. Bet on yourself, <laughs> read articles, <laughs> make sure you put yourself in a room. That means put yourself in the room that you want to become, like the person you want to become and learn from the people around you. And if you're too comfortable in that room, you're in the wrong room. Okay, don't get it twisted. You're like, get it together. If you're too comfortable in that room or in the place where you are in your life, you need to get uncomfortable to learn and grow. Go find Eric. He'll tell you all about publishing. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Love that. All right. Fun question that I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Give us the top three apps that you use on your phone on a regular basis, but you can't name email, calendar, or text messaging because those Ooh. are just way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I knew this question was coming, so I took notes. <laughs> I was like, which one is <laughs> So the podcast app is definitely one of them that I use a lot. Like just listening to podcasts. I'm a big podcaster fan. I don't know if you heard, I'm a big podcast fan. Yeah. <laughs> my bank account, my bank account app is the second one. I would say like I check it daily, not because I'm obsessed with money, but because <laughs> when you have investors and when you're a business owner, like there's money coming in and money coming out that you have to track for. 
And then I would say the third app, Amazon. <laughs> hey, keeping it real. Yeah. You know, real. I, I, <laughs> I am this person, I guys. I appreciate those three apps, but I'm surprised you didn't say Instagram because I always see you on Instagram. <laughs> Always. I, I thought you said no social apps. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, like I have my Instagram, all my social media. I have a thanks to Apple. One of the one of the only things they did really great was add the timer. Like you can time how long you want to stay on social media. And mine is 15 minutes. So believe me or not, like mm. I'm only on these apps 15 minutes a day and I do enough. So I'll break it out. Like I'll check one minute at <laughs> <a> different time. <sighs> But that's not including LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I figured I actually do enjoy LinkedIn and I don't think it's taking over my life. So I'm like, I can still control LinkedIn, I think. Um, (laughs) I recently did download TikTok finally because I was like, maybe the podcast should be on TikTok, but I want to really make it like really funny and like not too serious. So I haven't really looked into it. But on Saturday, I caught myself being on TikTok for like 40 minutes straight up. And I was like, yo, this is dangerous. I cannot. Mm-mm. five minutes on tiktok <laughs> i put a five minute thing on tiktok i was like no no sis you're not gonna be that person no 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 no. you have too much to do you have too much That's to true. do no shade to tiktokers like <laughs> good for you but uh yeah i, I enjoy tiktok it's awesome mm-hmm. Alain, what are some other ways that our listeners can follow you obviously we want everyone to go and listen <laughs> learn and really learn from others you know on the programmatic digest podcast right what are some other ways that folks can follow you and, and stay in touch so I'm very active, as Corel just mentioned, on <laughs> my social media, <laughs> media. So LinkedIn, Twitter, again, it's phonetically spelled Helene Parker, but uh, please don't, don't call my name on Industries, uh, Helene, I won't respond to you. But you can email me at info at HeleneParker.com or reach out to me via my website, HeleneParker.com. I'm out there, like it's not hard to, to get in contact with me and I'm very responsive, at least 24 hours. <laughs> within that message i try to respond to everybody and then that's it well thanks so much for hanging out with us it was a lot of fun and it won't be the last time i'm sure yeah absolutely not yeah yeah. yeah. this was fun thank you so much for having me again this was bomb i'm a big big fan of minority report and i cannot wait for like y'all next year you're gonna be killing it Thank you. Awesome. We're big, I can already we're, smell it. It's going to be so good. We, so good. We're pumped too. 2022 is going to be great. And, and yeah. we're big fans of yours too. So thanks for all that you're doing there. We also want to say thanks to Beeler Tech. Thanks again to our great sponsor, really focused on building meaningful relationships for individuals and companies and activating powerful connections and conversations. In the digital advertising and media world, Beeler Tech is your connection to what's possible. So please go and check out Beeler.tech. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And you can find more episodes where we find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks again, Alain. And thanks, everyone, for listening.